everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fikey Media Network. Happy Sunday morning to you all as we are back here today recapping WWE Crown Jewel 2022 from Saudi Arabia. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my right-hand man, my co-captain, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner. And I join him in solidarity as I, too, am salty about many things in life. We'll get to that shortly, but I bring to you a combination of Salty and for PLEs only, Perky Scott Young. Welcome back, Perky. Thank you for having me, Keela. I'm cautiously uh, happy to be chopping up and talking all things WWE with you because I know that one's always loaded in the chamber, ready to go, especially after watching LeBron James mellow his way through a couple couple games here lately. Um I know, I know, I know there's some some shots fired ready for me, but uh, I'm excited to talk about the crown jewel and this uh, extravagant three-hour Raw. The most expensive Monday Night Raw of the year, in all honesty. We'll get to the pageantry of this three-hour special shortly, but you assume wrong, Scott. You think I have barrels loaded for you. No, sir. I have barrels loaded for both of us because both of our teams suck, okay? My Warriors are three and seven. They're 0-6 on the road. So I, too, join in your pain of both of our teams not doing very well right now, and that's why I cling to my Atlanta Hawks who are trying to be good. Well, first of all, nobody should be clinging to the Atlanta Hawks. Nope. I mean, let me, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that right now. They they are gonna they're gonna have a great season. They're gonna they're gonna probably finish in the top three in the East, and they're gonna get booted in the first round. I'm gonna go ahead and let you know that now. So go ahead and brace yourself for that. Trey Young is not the guy. All right, Murray's the guy. Love him. Trey Young's not the guy. Get him out of there. John Collins. He don't even play no more. That dude took like two shots the other night. All right, I'm done. See, this is this is what it's like to be a Lakers fan right now because we don't need to talk about our team. Ain't nothing to talk about. So we talk about everybody else's team. You don't have to slander the Hawks like that. You know, at least we'll be in the playoffs. You'd be like to make the play-in for yourself at this point. Same for the Warriors. It's early, but how dare you just slander a team who's going to be in the top three and your team can't even get in the play-in. They're going to be swept in the play-in by some team, by the Sacramento Kings, most likely. That's how down bad the Lakers are. That's fine. Listen, at the end of the day, the Hawks are going to be sitting there right beside the Lakers. They're just going to be there a week later. It's not like they're going to be there a month later. You know what I mean? It's not like we're going to be out at Cancun partying for a while. You're going to be right there as soon as we are. So it's fine. We'll just warm the seats up for you. You'll be the first ones to join us. I hope we make you wait for two months. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If the Atlanta Hawks make the NBA Finals, no matter who they play, a Western Conference team is winning the championship. I agree. <laughs> See? Perfect That's- Warriors, but I leave that alone. But listen, I'm, I'm a realist. <laughs> if it's the Warriors and the Hawks, I will forsake oh, God, my home no. team. I'm, I'm pulling I'm for sorry. the Hawks. <laughs> See what happens when you keep pushing me? I will t- make you take oh my, my home team. See, I'll root for Trey Young over Steph Curry. He's a bootleg Steph Curry, but I'll still root for him. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop it. Oh, my God. Okay. So, knowing that both of our teams are not very good right now, and you have slander for the Hawks, 
let's move on to Crown Jewel, a very expensive edition of Monday Night Raw going down earlier this afternoon in Saudi Arabia. I got to say, for a long time, these shows have sucked and the roster, quite frankly, half-assed their way through the card because they really didn't want to be there. But in the last few times they've been in this country, they've really put in the effort to put on a very good show and the Saudi crowds have been much better. This was by far the best crowd they've had in terms of reactions because the dignitaries that would take up the front row they just weren't sitting there doing nothing. This is all fans, a lot of kids out there, a lot of guys and girls having a good time, living it up, and it definitely livened up the atmosphere throughout the show. Yeah, the crowd absolutely amplified the show. And by the way they were reacting, you would think a lot of these matches were some of the best matches of the year. And unfortunately, they weren't. They were just, I mean, a good portion of the matches tonight or the other, or, you know, were just regular matches you could see on raw um or you know on just on on any real ple this didn't feel even let me rephrase that this may have felt like a wrestlemania-esque event as far as the level and the atmosphere and the production and the presentation but as far as match quality it was there it was there for sure. There were some good matches on here, really great match at the end, which we'll get to momentarily. But the production value for the show was excellent. The drone shots for a mm-hmm. lot of the entrances were excellent. The pyro budget. Cody must have been crying at home because he said that is the rest of my budget for this year. There was a shitload of pyro at the beginning, at the middle, at the end of the show. Pyro, pyro, pyro was the word of the day. Yeah, there was a ton of pyro. And let me tell you something. If we do happen to get that Cody Roman Reigns match, there's no way they're doing any pyro any match before that one because Lord knows that's 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 a couple mil right there just on those two pyro alone. I mean, when Cody does the whoa and then all the pyro shoots in the back, you know they're going to shoot some at the top. And then you got Roman. Roman has to shoot off two sets of pyro. And this one, that second set he shot off was like, a freaking thunderstorm in the in the stadium. So uh, yeah, the, the the pyro was incredible. And let's let's also remember that Cody and Brandy are both upset because they missed out on a probably a very fat check. At least two point five million dollars, if I had to guess. Hmm. That's a fat check they missed out on. But there's always next spring to collect that check from the Saudi prince. But in terms of production value, this was an 11 out of 10. This was like, damn, they did that. The drone shots were outstanding. We need that for WrestleMania next year in L.A. Very creative stuff. And it just really elevated the overall presentation of the show, which made it stand out despite it being, as you mentioned, a, a glorified three-hour Monday Night Raw on a Saturday afternoon, which is not a bad thing. But we did have some very good matches on the card, including our opener involving Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. This was a 10-minute sprint with Lashley des- delivering not one, not two, not three, but four different spears to Brock Lesnar as Brock went knee first into the still steps. He got speared through the barricade, speared in the ring, speared again for a near fall. Brock kicks out and takes Bobby on a trip to Suplex City. Thankfully, Bobby doesn't land too badly on his shoulder this time around, but he hits but Bobby gets hit with an F5 by Lashley for a near fall and Brock goes for another one. 
Bobby Wood goes out, locks in the hurt lock, and Brock is on one knee fighting. The arm goes up one time, two times, a third, and he holds it up. He's fighting. He's trying to back his out of this maneuver, and he does. He, in fact, uses the turnbuckle as leverage to do a pinning combination on Bobby Lashley. But if you look back on the replay, the shoulders were kind of up, so we can't really say if he won for sure, for sure. But he won, and Bobby was pissed off, and he choked out Brock once again with the hurt lock. And this opens the door for a trilogy, a rubber match between now <laughs> and the Royal Rumble. We're gonna get we're gonna run it back one more time, Scott. I know you're shocked by this. I know. Do you want to see it again? But that left us with an open-ended outcome of we need a definitive finish to this feud once and for all. Run it back again. I'm sorry. I know your reaction to this wasn't the best, but it's happening. Uh, <laughs> I so I appreciate the fact that they at least care about Bobby Lashley, you know, because let's face it, if this was Vince McMahon booking, I think Brock Lesnar would have just bum rushed him and ran through him. But I appreciate that. But it's just like you you had an out for Brock, like you had an out to give Lashley a win here with with the, the attack with the knee early that affected him the entire match. You had an out, and I just and then like the. To, for me, it felt like as soon as the match ended was when the match started to pick up. Like it started, that's when I was like, okay, now we're, we're going to hit that next gear. And then it ended. Now, I will say this there was one little t- Brock Lesnar, man, he's so good at the little things. When he did hit the ropes and he fell back when Bobby Lashley had the hurt lock, if you look closely on the replay, Lesnar clamps his hands together while he's got Lashley's arms down. So the shoulders may have been up, but it's the like Lesnar did that little thing right there where he clamps his hands down, holding Lashley in place. So I like that on the pin attempts. I don't even think the announcers called that out. Um, But I I just, I felt like the match was picking up steam as soon as it ended. I I think they could have gave me another five, at least five minutes of high impact moves. Um, I don't know. That was fine. You have to have a rubber match. I just think Bobby could have used the win more. Lesnar's not hurt by losing to Lashley, and I, you know that, that's just where I'm at on. I just it was fine for what it was. Two two and a half tears for me. That's fair. I agree with that because it did feel like the match ended pretty abruptly. It was picking up steam. They could have done way more than they did. But it does open the door for a rubber match somewhere down the road. WrestleMania, maybe, if they wait that long. But I thought the finish was a bit weak for me personally because it happened out of nowhere. I wanted a bit more suspense and drama. But for what it was, it was very good. And Lashley and Lesnar always work well together. It's always a big cost battle. But I wanted a wee bit more suplexes, a wee bit more power offense from both guys to really make this match stand out at the end of the day. Yeah, and you know the the other thing is <clears throat> with with guys like this, you, you kind of you they just kind of went through the motions. You know, we got like you know you kind of expected the spots we got. We got a spear through the barricade. Um, I was surprised we didn't get a, a smash through the table. But one thing you're going to kind of notice throughout this show, and I this one really kind of set the stage throughout all of it. All of these matches, besides the main event, which genuinely felt like a main event especially the way it culminated and built but every other match felt like 
a raw main event that you could see really any any random week. And I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it doesn't none of these matches really stood out and this is me talking about Lashley versus Lesnar and it just felt like a it felt like a raw main event, like a big raw main event. And that's not a good thing. You want a bit more than that for these PL- PLEs. And I felt the vibe as well. Good beginning, but the finish kind of lost me there. And it, it opens the door to run it back sometime very soon. And next up, we have Io Sky and Dakota Kai versus Asuka and Alexa Bliss for the Women's Tag Team Championships. There was a title change this past Monday on Raw with Dakota Kai and Io Sky losing to Alexa Bliss and Asuka. Very good main event. This match was much better. And I got to say, Alexa Bliss probably had her best in-ring performance in maybe two years perhaps if i'm being nice here she was present her and dakota kai worked really well together her comeback against eo sky and dakota kai was strong as well but i do have to question why did you change these titles five days ago only for you to change your mind five days later and have nikki cross provide the assist to help the former tag team champions win their titles back i none of this makes any sense i They've done a lot. They have not had any control to the damage that they've done to damage control. I, it, it just, it doesn't make any sense what's going on with that. Like, I, I'm, I'm 100% with you. Why do the title change? There's, there, was no, there was no reason to have the match. You save the match for, for, you know, for this event, and that's it. And they retain. I mean, that's, that's all you do. There's no reason to have that match except to have a title change on Raw. And, you know, is, is this becoming a bit of a crutch? Like, are, are we going to, is that what the women's tag titles are going to be? Is that just going to be the titles we use to, to have a title change? We did it with Raquel and Aaliyah. For what reason? Why didn't Damage Control just win then and hold them? They should have won then and should be on their first reign right now. Like that, that should be what's going on right now. This dominant reign that Dakota and EO are on. But instead, this is like their fifth reign. They're going to end up with more reigns than Charlotte Flair. Like that, that's not what you want. That's not how you establish a team by continually winning and losing titles. They're still losing. You don't become a three time champion by winning it three times without losing. So it just, it doesn't make sense. I, I have no idea what they're doing with damage control. I've been saying this for a while, and I like Bailey. I like Dakota Kai. I like Io Sky. I like them together, but the booking and the presentation hand-in-hand has not gone well for them in terms of being over with the people. When you look at Monday Night Raw and you listen to the crowd, with few exceptions here because they loved Asuka and Alexa Bliss during this matchup, and the quality of the wrestling was really good, but in terms of being over as a crew, it's just not hitting right now, and it's a combo of really questionable booking dating back to when they did not win those titles Initially, in August, you had Raquel and Aaliyah beat, and that is no longer a tag team. And I just think from that moment on, I felt like Paul Levesque, a.k.a. Triple H, was being too cute. Let's surprise the fans by giving you an unexpected outcome. But in doing so, you kind of heard damage control heading into Clash of the Castle when they could have been champions. And a way to remedy what happened on Monday would have a six-woman tag team match involving Bianca, Alexa, and Asuka versus Bailey in damage control. And if you beat EO or Dakota, that opens the door to a title match on this show. And then you can keep the titles on 
damage control. You can still have the exact same match. It can be the exact same high quality. Nikki can still get involved and boom, there you go. It gives these titles some stability. Hot Potato is not it. And even though this match is really good, Asuka was over with the people. Her offense against Io Sky was great. Alexa, as I mentioned earlier, her comeback was incredible. I thought she worked really well in this matchup. And it should be noted that before the match took place, we had a backstage, we had a backstage interview involving Alexa Bliss and Asuka and Byron Saxton. And on the big screen, we saw a little Bray Wyatt graphic and Uncle Howdy, and it spooked Alexa. And that might be a sign she might be joining Bray Wyatt again very soon. And it plays into the finish of this match and what could happen down the road. But besides all of that, the booking was a choice, despite the quality of the wrestling, which was pretty good for the second match on the card. And the crowd definitely was into it. And I, I, you have, like, we have to talk about and acknowledge the crowd was definitely into it. You know, regardless of how we felt about the match, the crowd was into it. They were with it. I'm pretty sure there was a This Is Awesome chant. Um, I, Asuka was fantastic. I, I thought she brought a... a a energy to the match that just she just brings an energy period whenever she's out there that's just no other woman has no other woman has on that roster and you and i notice it because i you know i just don't i feel like i don't see her as much and when i do is she's just in a in a group and i don't get to see her you know just be you know full and, and expand herself like she did tonight like I feel like she got to engulf in the fans and play with the fans and really, really experience and be Asuka again. And I, man, I'm glad this is over with for her and Alexa Bliss because Asuka's bigger than a tag team. I said that I've been, I said that from the jump when they were tagging anyway. Asuka's bigger than a tag team. And I hope she does get a singles run. Go after Bianca again, whatever. Have, have a singles feud that doesn't evolve Bianca and let Asuka do that. That's what Asuka can bring to the table. Let her and Bailey work some magic now. Let keep them away from the title. Let them work some magic. But that's another thing I really noticed about this match is there's just an energy with Asuka that she brings that I man, it, it is it is enamoring and it, it it sucks you in. And I really hope that they run with that a lot more. I, I loved watching her tonight. She was really good, and the fans loved her. They really loved Asuka. That was a nice surprise. And the quality of the match was strong. Just the outcome was a choice. And Nikki Cross gets involved. I have an idea where this is going as we get further down the card here. I'm not encouraged by it on paper because I'm kind of done with it emotionally. But if we're going to blow everything off, this is a way to do it. I'll get to it shortly. But the wrestling was good. The booking from Monday to Saturday was a choice and not a good one. But congrats to Damage Control for being two-time champions in the span of 60 days. Good for you. Next up is Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross in a still cage match. And Scarlett served a look. Good for her. The match was better than what they did at Extreme Rules via that strap match last month. But, you know, Drew McIntyre, flu and all, tried his best to carry Karrion Cross to a passable performance. He did, but I'm still not feeling Karrion Cross. And it's all about Scarlett and Drew McIntyre beefing which is way more compelling than whatever Karen Cross is trying to do for me on the TV screen. Yeah, I, you know, and not to mention, they definitely didn't do Drew any favors by making him look like an idiot multiple times during the match. Like there's one point in time he's about to do the Claymore. He's doing the three, two, one. He, he's getting ready to do it. And, he, and, and Scarlett just jumps on the cage, even though that doesn't affect anything. 
and he, he just stops. And it's like, what are, what are you doing, dude? You know, it, it doesn't make any sense. And then when he's walking, when he's crawling out the cage, she shoots him with the mace. And instead of just, he knows where he's at. He knows the door is open. Instead of just rolling forward, he knows all he's got to do is just crawl out. He rolls backwards and, 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 and rolls in the fetal position and starts screaming. Like, you make your baby face just look like an idiot for, for no reason. It serves no purpose. You're not doing anyone any favors. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Again, this, the booking of, of, of Drew McIntyre, at least he won the match because he doesn't need to be losing the carrying cross. And I think there's something to be said when cross is in two big stipulation matches instead of just giving me straight up wrestling matches to where he can engage the crowd. I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see him as being the guy that should be beating a Drew McIntyre, somebody you've built up as arguably, arguably your, your top baby face the last two years. I think a strong case can be made that he has been your top baby face the last two years outside of maybe Bianca Belair and the entire company. So I hope this experiment is over and Drew McIntyre is is moving on to whatever, but this has got to be done. But it's oh. there must Stop. be. I'm sorry. Our, our our second trilogy must be completed on this card. I know it's frustrating, but we're tied one to one strap match, steel cage. What's next? A standard match after all of this? I simply do not know, but I do agree with you that Drew McIntyre a couple of years ago was for me the MVP of the early days of the pandemic. He was the guy that carried this company on his back as WWE champion. The guy has never had a proper coronation as champion, not even at Clash of the Castle a couple of months ago. So he's been through it in terms of can he have his moment already? Hopefully it comes soon because this is a bit much for me. And he's trying his best here. And it's just not working. Carrying Cross is not hitting for me. I've tried. I am trying still, but I'm not seeing the bigger picture. I saw it a couple of years ago at Full Sail and at the PC, but I'm not seeing the vision that Triple H sees as to what this guy can be. Scarlett obviously is a great asset, but I'm intrigued by her versus Drew McIntyre more so than Karen Cross versus Drew at this point, and that is a very bad thing. So I live in a world where Drew can bring more out of Matt Cat Moss than he can with, with Karrion Cross. You know, this this should feel like the way Lana and Rusev felt when Rusev first debuted. And, and Lana was, you know, was able to talk and and, and, and and she was able to get the crowd riled up and be in the face of the baby face. Like, I wonder if, if why we don't have Scarlett doing that more often. Like, she does it every now and then, but we don't have her coming out and just cutting these menacing promos. Like, and just letting people know, like, yo... We're here, we're taking over, and we're going to do whatever the hell we want because I got this guy behind me. Like, she's just like, she's just the hot, weird chick that's with him. Like, I, and that, and she should be so much more because, I mean, she demands the screen. You can't take your eyes off her when she's on the screen. So I, I just wonder why this package isn't being utilized. I, Selena Vega. Like there's another one. Like when she's on the screen with her man, whoever it is that she's representing, she demands the screen and she elevates everyone who's on the screen with her. I, I, I'm, I'm just curious as to why Scarlet isn't being used 
in that same way because I I just I think Carrion has a much better look with this hair instead of the baldness, but him as the guy, I just I don't see it. But if it was her as the centerpiece and him just being the muscle behind it, I can buy that. I can buy her being like, I want those titles and I want him to go get them. I can buy that. But him being just being the mastermind and I mean, let's not forget his he wanted a strap match with Drew McIntyre of all things for some reason. Why? Who knows? Like it just it's just I don't know, man. I, I don't I just don't I don't think they're being utilized to their fullest. And it, it's baffling to me when you have a presence like Scarlet. The presence is undeniable. I would like for her to talk more on the mic to kind of project her personality. She's She's got screen presence for days. He does as well. The hair looks better, I got to say, and they look really pretty together. But that's it. It's basically a vanity project, and I want a bit more than that. And they're talented, but we're not seeing their full potential on the main roster. And I guess patience is a virtue. I have it. It's, limit, it's limiting. I'm not going to lie because I'm trying here, but it's very difficult for me to connect with people that just don't quite have that extra sauce to really stand out to justify title shots for a major championship in WWE just yet. I don't see it. And this feud must continue because we're tied at one and one and they're all been set matches so far. And it's going to be very weird to have a standard wrestling match to be their blow off, which is definitely a choice. And once again, the theme on this show, not necessarily a good one. Yeah, and, and honestly, where do you go from here except a last man standing match? And I guarantee they probably won't have as good of a match as the ladies had on this show. So I don't know. Maybe they should just go with the rest a regular wrestling match. Maybe they should go with a arm wrestling match and just, you know, do something completely different. No one will see that coming. I would take Scarlet versus Drew in that arm wrestling match. <laughs> Who you got your money on? Well, Scarlett can spray Drew again with pepper and, spray. Oh, I'm glad you brought Can we talk? She's just assaulting referees, too. Like, <laughs> it's know. one thing to attack the, the wrestler, but she's assaulting referees with mace? Like, what are we doing, man? I, what are we doing? The referee was simply doing his <laughs> job, and he caught pepper spray, too. So would she be reprimanded for this? Would she be fined? And suspended like Ronda Rousey? She won't be fired. No, she won't be. But she absolutely should be fired. She <laughs> maced the referee. What? <laughs> yes. In clear view of another referee in the ring that can also make a pinfall or submission count. Where 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 the, where, where the referees that they're supposed to come out and be like, oh, you didn't see her? She maced them. We got to kick her out of here. Where where that? Yes. Where is yeah. where is Uncle right. Nate? Right. What's Lil Nate at? Is he the lead referee of referees in WWE? I, I completely forgot about her committing assault on the referee for holding the cage door after she. Sp- What's up with the mace? What is so she 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 drops the fireball and just starts carrying mace. She's like, oh, I forgot my fireball at the house, but you know, I always got my mace in my purse. Like, what is what is going on, man? Wait. Well, to be fair, the fireball malfunctioned the last time. <laughs> so she said no more of that. So you got to worry about that. I know this mace work. It sure does. And she overloaded it again. Like, damn, how much pepper spray do you need? And, and then can we, I, I get, I get Drew's that guy. Like, I get he's that guy. 
but he ate some he ate some some mace to the face and then was just applying an ankle lock 20 seconds later i mean like <laughs> come on man what are we doing what are we doing and he hits a claymore out of nowhere he can climb the cage he should be br- he could see clearly clarity clarity he he was breathing fine so he was breathing Listen, he not only was breathing fine, he climbed out of the cage. And you have to have great lungs to do that after you get sprayed with pepper spray. So my question is, did she actually overload the spray with Visine to clear his eyes so he could see everything in 40-40 vision? Okay. So then what I need to know is what happened to the referee? Where did he go? (laughs) See... I can't see what I'm talking that. about. I'm just trying to figure out how that Drew magically recover from a mace attack. For, and and can we? I ain't seen Drew McIntyre put an ankle lock on since he since he retired uh, Kurt Angle on Monday Night Raw. Now all of a sudden he want to pull out an ankle lock when he can't see nothing, but he grab he can grab a foot. He can find a foot, but he can't see nothing. But he grabbed the foot. Like, come on, man. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing right now? This felt like this felt like Hogan. In a cartoon villain. Like, what are, what are we doing, man? It was something. It was awful. It was, it was awful. Two, was awful. two, two salty tears because they did, they worked hard. I will, they, 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 I mean, everybody gave forth that. So two salty tears. And for the ladies, two and a half salty tears as well. Very fair scores. And I like the suplex yes, off yes. the cage by Drew to Karrion Cross. It was very nice. Nice to suplex by Cross to McIntyre as well. Some nice moments in this match. But when you think about the layout and the booking, it was stupid. So I have to go in on my guy because Drew is my, he's my guy. He's my dog, to quote Sami Zayn here. I, I do have to go back to when Scarlett hopped on the cage. Like, what what was she going right, to do? right. Like, was she going to, like, magically slide through the cage as if it was a force field that she could just slide And why did she spray him then? Why did she spray him with pepper spray then? Exactly. Exactly. It just doesn't. See, it it, it doesn't Um, make any sense. The match doesn't make any sense why anything happened. Nothing that happened made any sense in any chronological order. And then she thought it would be a great idea. Let me lock the cage oh door. God. But guess what, honey? He could climb out of the cage. And then she thought, oh, shit. Let me unlock the door for my guy and you're still too late. Like, the concept of this match was dumb. And the only time they did this match right was earlier in the year when it was Sami Zayn and Drew McIntyre. And you know what WWE did? They got rid of the goddamn door. So Sammy couldn't escape. We need no doors on these cages. The cage match, there, there shouldn't be an escape. Like that should be. That's the point of the cage, right? Isn't that the, the, the have your opponent in the cage where they can't, like? All right, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm down. I'm taking it down to one and a half. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> this is a very traumatizing match in hindsight. Pissed this off. might be the worst match in terms of booking on the show, and I'm going to stick to that. This was this was a heart fought match that was booked oh, like God. shit. And we're going to leave it. And, and every match doesn't have to be and 20 minutes either. No, this went you way too I mean? long. I, I, I'm going to be shady here. And I'm going to be very honest about what I did during oh, this match. Boy. So there was a, I have to be real here for my listeners out there, for our listeners, our listeners. 
because during this match, when I saw what was next, there was a Twitter spaces about General Hospital, and I put one earbud in. <laughs> shout out to Sprina. I put shout out to Sprina. <laughs> I put one earbud in, and that conversation was better than this match. Stop. <laughs> you silly. It was. It was. And the fact that Scott knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because he's in the tag. Because he sees it. He knows me well. I'd be creeping. I'd be I creeping. did. As soon as I saw what was next, he'd be creeping. Like TLC, he'd be creeping in the tag. But um, yeah, that's what I did. And I don't regret it for a second. And it was the perfect time because this match, in terms of booking, sucked. But next up, I took the earbuds off of this next match involving the OC, AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson versus Judgment Days, Dominic Mysterio, Finn Balor, and Damian Priest. And <laughs> Rhea Ripley is a troll because she had her hair done a little bit differently today and she wanted to pay tribute to the late, great Beth Phoenix. So disrespectful. I'm like, the late, the late, <laughs> the late, the late. Though. <laughs> The late, great Beth Phoenix, who she apparently killed at Extreme Rules. Rhea Ripley is a menace, and I love her for it. When when he said the late, I was like, wait a minute, the late? Who, who, is, he, who is she paying tribute to? And then I started listening to his voice like, the late, great Beth Phoenix. I'm like, wait a minute, what in the world? Her disrespectful trolling self. And then... I, I this match I, I thought this match was actually a lot of fun this was but again this felt like a really fun raw main event or a really fun raw 10 o'clock main event you know that one that main event you really you want to make sure that people see before they go to bed um but the match was good I thought uh Carl Anderson looked good let me tell you I, uh Doc I thought Doc Gallus has looked really good when he gets a hot tag, I think he's got a great hot tag, especially for a big man. Um, he moves really well. And maybe it's because we had Omos and Braun Strowman on the show. It made him look like he was Sonic the Hedgehog out there. But that boy was moving, and I thought he looked real good. Damian Priest looked good. They were Dominic Mysterio was not in the match, at least that I remember. I don't remember that dude doing nothing in the match. I Maybe I missed it. But I don't remember him even being in the match. <laughs> uh, him and him and Rhea have a nice chemistry. I, I like the mean mug that he tries to, that he tries to give off when she's got his hand on his chest. Or, like she clearly like it's it's just such an odd looking thing because she looks like she's so in charge and he looks like he's just terrified of doing the wrong thing because he knows his mommy might punish him when she goes home. But then he's like, then again. Would that be a bad thing? So he's kind of conflicted. You saw him when he held the ropes. He was like, man, I should just drop these ropes on her and piss her off. Then, we, then I'd be pissed off. Then we'll have a lot of fun tonight. But it's after hours, so it doesn't matter. We, but then they remember it's Saudi Arabia. It's early over there. Or it's early over here, but it's late over there. It's a whole time, time thing. So we had to, they had to stop doing that. You can see her when she's rubbing his chest and stuff. He don't know what to do. He don't know what's going on. Damien got the camera. He all shook up. And Finn's like, I got to go. So the match starts. Really fun, um, but I just I, this is this is the exact opposite of damage control as far as presentation of a group, presentation of a lead person. Finn Balor has been picking up all the pinfalls. 
I thought it was excellent. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Balor hits the shotgun after Rhea, uh, picks up AJ on the outside, drops him. I, for some reason, thought we were supposed to get a reveal of a mystery woman partner who was supposed to come and even the odds, but I guess I misheard that. I, I thought that was supposed to come. That doesn't come. They put him back in. Finn hits the shotgun drop kick. Uh, coup de gras. One, two, three. We go home. Keela, was I wrong about that? Were we supposed to get at the female reveal of the of the of the partner who was supposed to counteract Rhea Ripley? It was teased on Monday Night Raw because AJ said we had a Rhea problem and we never got the problem solved on this show. You would think you have an equalizer at ringside, and we didn't get that on yesterday's show. Maybe we get that on Monday Night Raw, but it was very interesting for them not to do the reveal of who was going to be to counter Rhea at ringside. And we had rumors that maybe it could be Raquel Rodriguez. Maybe I pick Piper Nevin in the role. Beth will be back eventually to kick Rhea's ass. But yeah, I was kind of disappointed. Like they had no backup to counter Rhea at ringside. Yeah, it was in, and I, obviously they're playing up the fact that Rhea is the X factor in the entire thing because the OC had essentially had the match roll and had the match one. AJ was on a roll at one point. He was just laying everybody out. Um, you know, I don't know if they're going to do a trios title, but they surely do have a lot of trios right now. They have a lot of three man groups and, or in a lot of potential three-man groups that they could do. I just think it's a very interesting timing thing. But again, who is this woman going to be? Piper is a good, really good pick. I just hope it's somebody who, if it's going to be, I hope that they're going to stick with the group and it's not just going to be a one-off. Because if it's going to be a one-off, then just don't just save it for Beth Phoenix. Don't let anybody be the equalizer until Beth Phoenix comes back. Agreed. It should be a tip member for now to counteract Rhea. And I hope that happens, preferably starting on Monday Night Raw. One spot I do love was we had the Tyro Doom spot during the women's tag title match, which was nice. We got like a reverse of that when AJ does a superplex to Finn and we got the electric chair spots from the OC to Priest and Dominic, which is pretty damn sweet. Love that transition in the ring. So overall, a really fun match. And as you mentioned, Judgment Day went through their growing pains. We workshopped them on this show for numerous weeks at a time, and they got it together once Finn Balor was added to this crew, and they dropped the vampirism aspects of this gimmick, and they've been so good. Dominic joined the crew, and it's gotten even better since then. He's growing as a heel, so it takes time for a crew to truly find themselves. But when they come out, they come out with swag. They come out as a unit. You can see the charisma, and you can see them having this presence that just stands out. But I got to mention Michael Cole on commentary at the very end of this match when Rhea dropped AJ Styles on that apron. And he said with his whole chest, somebody needs to kick her ass. Like, Michael Cole, don't you want to do it? Go up there and do it, son. You, you really want to get her ass kicked? You go up there and do that, Michael. WrestleMania match winner from 11 years ago. And he said, he also said something about Dominic because Dominic ran up on him or something. He was like, hey, Dominic's a punk kid too. He said something like that at the beginning <laughs> of the match too. Like Michael Cole been feeling himself a little bit. I don't know what then got into him, but he been feeling himself a little bit. He better be careful for Rhea slam him through a table. Mm-hmm. With zero right. hesitation. So Michael, watch your ass. He was very, very vocal about Rhea getting her ass kicked. Like, wow. Okay. I hear you, Michael. I feel you. One day, one day soon, but really fun matchup as we transition to 
Scott's favorite match on the show. The Battle of Big Horses. We got the Nigerian giant, Omos, versus the monster among monsters, Braun Strowman. And my fear was, what are we going to get from this match? Braun Strowman has to carry Omos to a good match. But let me tell you something. Omos showed up. And he's leveled up recently, not only in the ring, but in the wardrobe department. And Scott dropped this line on me off air. And he's going to share it right now with all of you to bless your ears with this comparison. Because I truly believe this in my soul, that he took a trip somewhere to level up in the best possible way. Well, I was just mentioning Nikila that, you know, when my man came out, I, I peeped the gear. And, I, you know, I was like, of course, it makes complete sense. My man done went to Wakanda. You know, and got and definitely leveled up his gear. Like that dude came out with the Wakandan gear, had the headpiece on. Don't be surprised if you see him in Wakanda forever next week. That's all I'm saying. Just don't be surprised if you see the giant out there tossing them boys back to Atlantis. That's all I'm saying. Um, but I, I, I really enjoyed this match, and I was telling Keela off air, man. Not only did Omas level up his wardrobe game from Wakanda, that boy learned how to talk some trash from Wakanda too because that dude was talking smack on Roman levels of in-ring talking smack. I I loved it. It was probably about three or four minutes too long, but I loved every second of this match. It was not the greatest. It was not the most technically sound, but this was two legit horses out there just beating the hell out of each other. Also, Braun Strowman is way, way too big to have that bull nose ring in. Way too big of a man to be having that nose <laughs> ring in there, okay? I I know, and I'll never say it to his face because he'll just crush my head in like freaking the mountain in Game of Thrones, but I, I way too big, way too big. Just like Batista shouldn't have no goddamn on sun tattoo, but that's a whole other story. Um, on his belly button. Um, but the ma- I, I I enjoyed the match, man. They kept it simple. I like that Braun couldn't hit his normal moves when he went for the train. Omos shut that down real quick, and Omos just was talking to him like, "Yo, get your punk ass up, yo, see, man. You can't handle me. I'm him. I'm him." That dude told Braun, I'm him. And I'm like, yo, I'm sold. You are that guy. I mean, I, I, lo- I loved everything. You don't have to do a lot. But when you do something and you make it count, like Omos does, I, I, I think oh, this is a perfect use of Omos. This is perfect use of him. You have a monster that is believable and a baby face that has to overcome the odds. You made Braun Strowman a sympathetic baby face. And, and this is a perfect use of Omos. This is what you do with him going forward. You use him to get over your baby faces. I, I thought this match was as good as it could have been. I, three, three, three tears for me for this match. Really enjoyed it. Shockingly good. Omos has gotten better. Braun Strowman to help carry him to a good match was very impressive. And they picked each other Mm -hmm. up with ease. Mm -hmm. And it was very impressive. It was like, damn, Omos picked up Strowman. Strowman picked up Omos. And it was just seamless. And it was believable. And it was great. And the fans loved Braun a bit more than Omos. And it was a really 
nice big hoss battle that exceeded expectations. I thought this was better than what Omos with Bobby earlier this year. And maybe it's to Omos getting more training and getting more experience to how to work as a big man. You can see the improvement, which is nice to see. And Braun Strowman, you know, he can give good matches like this, but it was a task against Omos. And I thought he did a great job. This match surprisingly exceeded expectations. I was worried, but they came through in the end and Omos the wardrobe level up in terms of the suits and the gear in the ring. Hey, I'm going to be very bold in saying that I think, honest to God, the Hurt Business is coming back and he's getting prepped to be the heavy on behalf of Bobby Lashley. It's something I said on the show a couple weeks ago. You know, I, I you know, Bobby Lashley loses to Lesnar and he's like, yo, let's, let's get back. Let's get the boys back. So I would love for him and Omos coming off of both of them losing and MVP being like, you both lost on your own, but imagine what you two could do together. I, I, I think it would be perfect. I'm, I'm with you, Keela. I think that would be a great idea uh, for Omos. And, you know, we, you talk about the ease at which they picked him up. When Braun picked up Omos, and it looked like he was going to drop him for a second, but he held him steady and held him for a second just to let you know I got him and then dropped him. I, I mean, that's... You make his you make his moves impactful and, and mean something. And, and same thing with Omos. Omos held Braun for a minute and could have walked around with that guy. Like Omos is really impressive as far as strength goes. Like, and I don't even know if he knows how strong he truly is. So, it, I I really enjoyed this match. It's it was a nice change of pace match for some hosses, and they're not doing flips and springboard three six or springboard shooting star presses and planches they're just smacking each other around i loved it could you imagine both dudes doing planches on the outside it would it would be the most ridiculous if i ever see braun Strowman <laughs> doing a plancha to the outside it'd be the most ridiculous thing in the world and you know tequila to your point about braun Strowman carrying omas Braun Strowman has a history of having good matches with big men. Like, and I know they were veteran big men, and obviously he's picked something up, but he had good matches with the Big Show. He had good matches mm-hmm. with Kane. He had good matches with Mark Henry. Like, he had good matches with these big guys. And so I, I think he was able to pick what he learned and remember what worked because he there was a lot of playing to the crowd and a, a lot of that. Is stuff that you saw when he was having his matches with Big Show, things that Big Show did with him. So I think a lot of that carried over, and he was able to use that to help Omos, and really that's why they were able to get away with not doing a lot. I think that's a good point that you brought up about him uh, carrying the match because he has a history of working with big men and having good matches with them. Yeah, surprisingly good matches. Trilogy against the Big mm-hmm. Show about five years ago on Monday Night Raw. Every match was great. Same with Mark Henry as well. He just works really well in these situations. And even his last match before being released by WWE last year, it was Drew McIntyre, Bobby, and himself in a triple threat for the WWE Championship. And that was really good too. So he always shows up for these big cost battles. And yesterday was no exception. This match was surprisingly good. And I will give it three tiers as well. Very good action from Amos by way of Wakanda. And I love that for him as we move on to the Usos versus the Brawling Brutes 
for the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles. And this is a pivotal matchup because if the Usos were to win this match, they will face a new day, a humongous main event for SmackDown this Friday because the new day hold the record for the longest reigning WWE Tag Team Champions of all time. The record will be broken sometime next week. It could happen by Friday if the Usos were to win this match and win on Friday. And it has held a bit of higher stakes, even though the match came off very Friday night SmackDown on Fox. It was still good nonetheless. And the fans, the Saudi fans, wanted Sami Zayn a lot on this show. And, you know, Saudi Prince, you want to change your policies on some things? Let Sami in. Because your people wanted Sami on this show last night. You know... Uh... I know it's crazy. I, I, I might have said this a couple weeks ago, and I know it sounds crazy, but maybe Sammy's the guy, you know? And I know this is supposed to be about the tag titles, and we'll talk about Roman later, but since we're on the topic of Sammy, maybe Sammy's the guy that needs to be Roman. <clears throat> I, and I know, it's, I know it's like, how can you say that when you have a Cody Rhodes? You have, uh, you know, you have all these other options, even a Drew McIntyre who you can heat back up. Cody's really the main one, but it's like the reaction that Sammy is getting and the sympathy that he's going to get when they do turn on him and they whoop that tail. I just, I think if Sammy showed up at the Royal Rumble and, and came out and had the buzz cut with the old music and was dancing and had the fedora hat on, and I, I just think he's a believable main event level babyface when the story is all said and done and we get to the to the climax maybe Sammy's the guy. And especially with that shot we had at the end of potentially the Usos versus the Paul brothers down the road, like maybe Sammy's the guy. I, I, I think there's something there that should very, that should really be under consideration. And Triple H is also a man who made Sammy the guy before. You know, you're not wrong. Sammy's hot right now. And there's a thing I like to call in wrestling that things happen for a reason. It's called happenstance. And it strikes ever so often in WWE. I think about Becky Lynch four years ago. Punch by Nia Jax. She becomes a man. She's going to headline WrestleMania. If not for that punch, she was losing to Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series. That was the plan. You think about Sami Zayn. He was supposed to be beat up weeks ago. Let's be fair. He's supposed to get his ass beat, excommunicated from the bloodline. He's done for. But look what has happened. He is so popular. He is so over. You hear Usi in every city across America and the world, apparently. And he's over everywhere he goes. And it's unmistakable. He gets that, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that Family Matters pop when Urkel comes through the room that you mentioned. And that he comes out there, he gets the biggest pop. He says his speech and he gets applause. He gets laughs. He gets what you need as a baby face. And this can go any direction heading into WrestleMania season. Could WWE pivot? I don't know. But right now, Sami Zayn has the hot hand as being outside of Roman Reigns, the most over guy in this company, and rightfully so, because he just brings something different to the bloodline. He's given them new life. Because if it wasn't for him, I think people would be tired of the reigns of the Usos and Roman. But with him, you would love them to be champion in another 10 years, in all honesty. But it's up to WWE if they really want to go there, if you really go with the hot hand. And Cody is a sexy pick. 
it's my pick. But right now, Sammy is the guy that I would roll with in any situation between now and WrestleMania. And and the thing is with with that, even if they don't go with Sammy and say they do go with Cody, you still have another great story you can tell with Sammy with him and Kevin Owens winning those tag titles, which is something that you've advocated for in the past as well. Sammy pinning Jay would still be a huge moment to win those tag titles. So, I, you know, even though I say Sammy's the guy, there are multiple paths that you can take with him. And I know the tag titles are they're nowhere. They're not the same as that world title and beating Roman for that, but it would still be a hell of a moment. You know, it would still be a huge moment, him winning with Kevin Owens, um, especially, you know, the, the year before he's having a match with Johnny Knoxville. And this year, potentially, we're talking about him maybe being the guy to have a match with Roman Reigns. Like, that just goes to show you the level of a performance and performer that Sami Zayn is. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I know we got to talk about the tag title match, but you brought up Sami and obviously just like we're just like the, the Saudi fans. You, we can't, you can't have the bloodline on the show and not talk about Sammy. It's impossible. His presence, his power for him to be talked about for three good minutes. He's not even on the show, <laughs> but that's his power because the fans wanted him there. They wanted him at the press conference the other day too. They chanted for Sammy. We want Sammy. So Saudi Prince, maybe you need to change your policies a bit and get Sammy on your show if Sammy wants to show up, of course. But overall, this taxi match was very SmackDown light, but good. Yeah, I, I, there's not really that much to say to it. This It was a fine match. Um, Butch and, and Pete Dunne are gelling pretty well. I think Butch has gotten, not Butch, um, Rich Holland. I'm sorry, Rich Holland and Butch. I think Rich Holland has gotten better. I I, I can genuinely see the improvement with him. The the top rope 1D was pretty impressive. That was cool. But yeah, it's, I mean, three tiers. They're not, they're not going to have a bad match, but it was fine. It, this felt like a Raw, or in their case, a SmackDown main event. Yes, and their SmackDown main event was better than this match, yep. in all honesty. And I will say for Rich Holland, he's approved. He's improved a lot. He's off my list now. And it just takes more repetitions on the road to get better. And most importantly, play to what you're good at. And what he's good at is a high spot every match, a double suplex spot to pop the crowd. Good for you. Lean into what you're good at, which is doing very little, but having the most impact at the same time. And Butch, Pete Dunn, that should be his new name. He's great as always. The super kick into the 1D off the top rope was just sweet. A great finish to this match. We shouldn't get pinned, but that's besides the point. But we know this is going to be leading to something involving the bloodline and the brutes and possibly members of the New Day or maybe Drew McIntyre heading into war games next month. I would love to see it. But for what this was, a fine match. But the Friday match between the New Day and the Usos, run it back one more time. You know they're going to show up big. These are my two fave tag teams in WWE. The chemistry is always on point. They're going to deliver a low-key classic once again, and I fully expect the Usos to break the record to become the longest reigning tag team champs in WWE history from one great tag team to another. And that record was held by the New Day for, what, five years? And it will probably end on Friday night. Yeah, and they need to give them the la at least the last 45 minutes of the show. Absolutely. Anything less, I'll be very disappointed because that should be the main event with 45 good minutes left on the clock. Do not advocate or advocate that time to to Bray Wyatt. I'll let that right. go. Don't right. do that, please. Just saying. Okay. 
And now it's time to focus on our semi-main event. It was Bianca Belair versus Bailey in a last woman stand- in a last woman standing match for the Raw Women's Championship. I thought up until the main event, this was the best match on the show. Bailey and Bianca Belair never miss in the ring for me. I am weary of this feud because it's so one-sided, but their chemistry never lacks. And last night was no exception. The crowd was kind of so-so for me during this matchup, but I loved how creative this match was in terms of spots with Bailey going for the kendo stick, Bianca blocking it. We have a nice still still step shot of Bianca Belair going through the steps when Bailey went after her and she disappeared in the hole a few times and Bianca to pop out to save herself from being counted out via the stipulation. But I just love the creativity of the match, the use of a production crate to trap Bianca Belair inside. She pops out, hits Bailey with the lid. Her ponytail gets trapped for a bit. Then Bailey introduces a golf cart at one point. And then Scott, if you have not seen the steel shots, of Bailey on the roof of the golf cart and Bianca driving. Their faces sold this so fucking beautifully. The only flaw was I think that Bailey was going to was going to sail over through the table. She clipped it. It was bad, but they caught an audible and Bianca powerbomb Bailey through the table. Great reaction to something not going well initially. Then she goes for a 450 on some chairs. She misses and Bianca eats the chairs and Bailey's going for her finisher on a steel chair. But Bianca fights back, lands a KOD on the steel chair and traps Bailey in the ladder because ladders and Bailey never get along. She's trapped between the ring post and the ladder and Bianca wins by being the last woman left standing in terms of creativity and pacing and fakery by Bailey who faked ankle injury by slipping on the ramp this sneaky little thing here and I thought she got hurt and she just came right back and beat Bianca's ass I loved it great psychology nicely out and a really fun match and unfortunately despite me wanting this feat to be over it's not over it will continue most likely at war games next month or later this month i should say in boston but all in all a really really strong match from bianca belair and bailey per the usual the match was good um you know they for me they they have the weakest chemistry so far of bianca and the and the horsewomen for me personally i you know they the matches are fine but they're they definitely don't compare to her and becky or her and sasha um you know, I just, there's something just missing. And maybe it's because they just, maybe it's because of the, you know, the actual damage that has been done to damage control and Bailey being a part of that. But um, they are both really good. I, I do, the, the golf cart spot, let's let's talk about that for a minute. Bailey drives that, that's, that golf cart. And let's, let's talk about the golf cart. That's not the golf cart you see in the neighborhood that you're driving up and down the street. That's the golf cart that's actually on the golf course. That has the uh, the one that's that's keeping it from going a certain amount. So this golf cart is only going about ten miles per hour, and you can you see Bianca like bracing, like she's gonna jump on it while it's moving. But instead, Bailey comes to a complete stop, and then Bianca does like a decides to do a jump kick in, like she was doing it. I'm like, all right, all right, that's enough. So then they decide to jump on top of the roof. That didn't get that didn't pop like I thought that that's not that's not Undertaker giving JBL a power bomb through the limo. Okay, it's definitely not that. This is not Sammy uh, Sammy Guevara, Kevin Owens getting smacked by those golf carts. 
This is certainly <laughs> not that, okay? I do need to check out those still shots because I bet you those are pretty great. Because Bailey's face, when she was going down, it was pretty. That was the fastest the golf cart was moving, by the way, when it was going down the ramp. Yes. That was dangerous. Then I was actually worried about Bailey because I don't know. Bianca didn't look like she was trying to stop because she had a hard time getting it going to begin with. But yeah, when that first golf cart was coming and Bianca looked like she was, she looked like, you know, that old commercial where Kobe Bryant's jumping over the car. That's what she looked like. She was getting yes. ready to try to do jump <laughs> over the golf cart as it was driving by, like it was coming at a hundred miles per hour. But no, the match was fine. Uh, three and a half salty tears from me. It was good. It wasn't great for me. I just, there's just something missing when these two lock up and I, I don't know what it is. Um, but Three and a half salty tears. Good match. Agreed. I just think it comes down to seeing the match too many times for us to really care anymore emotionally. That's where I'm at with it. But for what it was, I really enjoyed it. And okay, now in my head now, see what you did to me, Scott. So now I'm thinking about the spoof that Kenny Smith did jumping over the car. (laughs) (laughs) And he gets hit by the car and the shoes are in the street. And Kobe sees the clip and he's just crying of laughter. One of the all-time great inside the NBA moments ever. That's what it looked like Bianca was braced. Like she, she looked like she was bracing to get hit, but then she thought about like, well, if I get hit by this thing, I can't sell that. So I'm just going to drop kick her through the door. And then I'm going to throw her. Like, what was, the, what was the idea with throwing her on the roof if you weren't going to hit the brakes hard and have her sliding off? That's what I, I thought. That's yeah, I thought she was going to have her sliding off onto the table and then jump off the like, why did she should have slid her off on the table and put her on the table, then jumped off the golf cart through the splash through the table? Why did she do that? I have no idea. I thought something's going to be power bombed through the roof of the golf Ooh, cart. Be, honestly, you know what? I thought there's going to be a spot on the you roof. Know what? Let me let me let me stop questioning my black queen. My bad, Bianca. Let me let me stop questioning you. You know what you're doing. You you hold it down. Number two in the PWI. Damn straight. We love her yeah. for that. And congrats on the Hulu show, by the Absolutely. way. I'll be watching whenever it drops. Come on. Her and Montez Ford coupling. I dig it. Oh, I cannot wait to see that show. Now, one more thing about this matchup. Love the drone shots. Love the drone yeah. shots. Beautiful yeah. drone shots. And shout out to the Survivor Series commercial, too. That got me hyped for war games. That was sleekly produced, and I gave a fuck. We just need a William Regal saying war games. That's all. No, we won't be getting that. So it'll definitely be Paul. We'll, Damn, we'll get Paul like Heyman. A... That's that's what we're going to get. Yeah, we'll take it. And that's close enough for me. But really sleekly produced commercial for Survivor Series war games going down in a few weeks in Boston. And now it's time for our semi-main event from, an, from a non-entering capacity, wrestling-wise, involving Bray Wyatt. Coming out with his really long entrance. Nice drone shot of his logo as well. And he cuts a promo about coming from a legendary family and reiterating who he is. I'm Bray Wyatt. I come from a great family. And when you come from a great family, you have to be great. But not only great, you got to be the greatest to ever do it. And for a very long time, you had to wear a mask to be great, to hurt people, and to do really bad things. And that all this affection from the people, the love, you don't love me. You love the idea of me. I don't even love me. But I'm going to show you who I really am. I am Bray Wyatt. That is who I am. And then we get to the big screen once again of Anka Howdy sounding a whole lot like Bray Wyatt saying, 
I know who you are. You can't help yourself. You're going to hurt people. It's what you do. Just revel in it. Be who you're meant to be. These people are going to be disappointed by you inevitably. So just give in. And at least I heard every word Uncle Howdy said this week. They listen to the rap. They listen to our show. They know what's up. I said I need to hear what Uncle Howdy is saying. So they said, guess what? It's going to be Bray talking as Uncle Howdy. And I'm both excited and afraid because I don't want Bray versus Bray versus Bray versus Bray versus Bray at WrestleMania. I don't want that. So I need Bo Dallas to be the guy in the mask and let Bray do the voice for now. Swerve me. I cannot take it. And even though I love everything that comes out of Bray Wyatt's mouth, this is about the third or fourth time I've seen you talk to yourself on the big screen. I need variety. I need something that's going to make you stand out a bit more than this and preferably somebody to feud with besides yourself because that ain't going to be it long term. I love the concept of you talking about yourself, but I don't need you talking to yourself about yourself. That is all. So a couple things. First off, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that man that he talking to, Uncle Howdy, Uncle Howdy is Uncle Bray because that boy sounds just like Bray Wyatt. Every, every enunciation, <laughs> you know, the, every, everything about him sounded like Bray. And when he takes off that mask, we're going to see Bray Wyatt. So I'm going to go ahead and let you know that's happening. Um, secondly, WrestleMania two night event, night one, uh, we're going to have a elimination, empty arena elimination chamber match. It'll be the Wyatt six in a limit, you know, taking one of the last Wyatt standing. The match will begin at the beginning of the show. And after every single match on the WrestleMania card, we'll check back in, see who's eliminated until there's only one left. And whoever emerges from that chamber will be the new Bray Wyatt going forward. Um, those are the WrestleMania plans. I have my sources in WWE that have confirmed this with me. My silence <laughs> says it all. This is horrifying. I need you to get new sources. <laughs> me, me getting new sources no. ain't changing what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we can't do this. See, this is what you want to see happen. You want your idea of Damien Priest versus the other Damien Priest. No, no, no. It's, it's Damien. It's Damien versus Priest. It's Damien versus Priest. Okay. If you you get you you got to listen. Shout out, shout out to Jeremy. This is match number fourteen ninety eight. Or my 1,500 matches. <laughs> Shout out to good, guy, good friend Jeremy Feinstone. That's um, Damien versus Priest. And then it's 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 Finn Balor versus the Demon versus Damien versus the Priest in the Fatal 4-Way. Winner of that on night one faces the, the one, the last white standing on night two. If this was two years ago at the there's PC a, there's, there's for a possibility it could have happened. It's a possibility it would have happened. <laughs> it would have been the most expensive mind fuck in WWE history, but it would have happened. Let me tell you something. It the Wyatt happening. Six, though, that's that's a decent six episode Netflix series, though. <laughs> Wyatt's got something <laughs> there. That's bag. a decent six episode Netflix series focusing on each Wyatt member. I'm I'm in. There's something there. I see your vision. I'll raise it. Black Mirror. Oh, Wyatt I Six. love it. I love it. Love it. 
WWE call Netflix. If the Vince documentary is falling through, tell them we got to make good. Black Mirror, The Wyatt Six, six-part miniseries coming to you during WrestleMania week, only on Netflix. They could they could market it just like uh, Kane did the, uh, what was it, May 6th for See No Evil? That, that was a hell of a marketing campaign they did for that movie and that whole thing. They could do that. Man, I think that's it. I, real talk, I know we playing. I would be fully on board with that. And if it happens, we deserve a commission a check. Commission check for coming up. A the commission idea. check. We I, yes. deserve more than that. Yes. <laughs> we deserve credits as executive producers for coming up with this concept. So I need like a bag from WWE and Netflix <laughs> because we came up with a great concept. I like to be compensated for my ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't give them freely. I'm trying to. I'm trying to die on the show. I'm trying to get killed. On the actual Absolutely. Show. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to play a character that gets killed on the show in some horrific way due to whatever's gone wrong with the technology. Okay, so who's gonna kill you? Oh, Bray Wyatt, for sure. Absolutely. Which one? Oh man. Which one? Oh, the fiend. The fiend's definitely <laughs> the fiend's got I figure I figure the fiend's gotta come back, right? The fiend's gotta be around somewhere. He's gotta be one of the six. So I'm, the fiend. Ooh. He's just gonna just gonna completely yeah. mutilate me. Oh goodness gracious! Oh, yeah. I want it to be the worst Total. possible way. I, I I want I want to have one of the best kills of the year. Look at you aiming Let's high. Try to you know, shout out to my man JD, great horror writer. <laughs> he needs a back too. He could be a writer to make this better than what they did in WWE. See, hey, we all see, and JD would make that thing fire. Mm-hmm. He sure would. He would make this story better than Bray Wyatt could ever imagine. You'll get killed and then we have the Rap Awards in 2023 and you will win a special award, Best Kill. I'm with that. I don't mind mind winning my own award and I'm rigging it. You're the only nominee. (laughs) Absolutely. That's absolutely correct. (laughs) Unless Liv Morgan gets killed on Chucky again and then she'll be neck and neck. Oh, I'm definitely going to be better than that. I'll, I'll absolutely be better than that kill. No question. No question. This show took a turn for horror to Netflix, to the White Six, to now our main event. We have arrived, ladies and gentlemen, at the main event of Crown Jewel. It is Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul for the undisputed WWE Championship. We got the most expensive pyro on this fucking show up to this point. It was just egregious how much pyro went off during Roman Reigns' entrance. But Logan Paul, Logan Paul, if not for Braun Breaker, would be my rookie of the year in professional wrestling. Third match in, had a fantastic main event against Roman Reigns. And apparently he has torn his MCL and his ACL and he might be out of action for a good six to nine months. And the fact he did all of that with a fucked up knee should be commended. But even without knowing that information, he was really great in this match. And Roman Reigns was every bit of the ring general. And Paul Heyman was selling fear at ringside. The crowd felt like a WrestleMania crowd biting for every new fall, rooting for Logan Paul at various points. Scott will go move for move and I'll come back eventually. But this guy 
is really fucking amazing at this professional wrestling thing, three matches in, and Dave Meltzer is going to fuck around and give this guy four and a half stars for this match. My boat prediction after getting four out of Miz a couple of months ago at SummerSlam. So Logan Paul is, in my eyes, a wrestling unicorn, a guy that comes through ever so often and is really, really good at this shit. And I am proud of him. And I shouldn't be, but I am. Yeah, he's he's really, really good. And I, I'll go ahead and say I, I gave it four and a half tiers. I, I, I thought this match was excellent. Excellent. One of the best WWE matches you'll see all year. Um, and I, I genuinely mean that. This is one of the best. I, Logan Paul, for everything, I, I'm not a fan of the Paul brothers. I, I think they're arrogant, loud mouths. Um, they get their money. I can't knock that. But, you know, they, they're just not for me. But there is no denying this dude is an athletic specimen. Like, he can do everything. I love the beginning of the match where Logan and we forget that Logan is a legit athlete. Like he was a wrestler in high school and they played into that. He was out wrestling Roman Reigns using wrestling maneuvers. When he hit that first, when he hit that first slam and Roman kind of look at, hold on, then Roman slams him down. Then it goes down, drops him with a fireman's carry. I, I, I loved all that. His leapfrog, that boy got bunnies. Let me let me tell you, old boy has bunnies. Um, I mean, he's clearing them. He he jumped straight up on the apron right into a springboard forearm. And when I say that dude had hang time, like it may not have been Montez and Dante high, but he wasn't that far below them. And when he was throwing that forearm, Roman catches him with an uppercut, takes control, starts kicking him. Logan Paul is doing a great job selling. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm blown away. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm more inclined now to absolutely give most of the credit for that Miz match. You know, the four star Miz. I, it's got to go to that's Logan Paul, man. I, he does it all. He hit a, he hit a buckshot lariat. Eat your heart out, CM Punk. He didn't fall down when he hit the clothesline. <laughs> um. I, like you and you can tell like you can tell he is passionate about this and he cares about how he looks and how he's presented and he treats this with respect like at any point like you talked about he injured his knee when you know what i mean like when did he injure his knee and and, and I, i'm not i'm not saying that as a smart act i'm saying that as in like this dude was going balls to the wall the entire time let's Let's talk about one of the most egregious and disrespectful things I think I've ever seen in a wrestling ring as a wrestling move. This dude, Logan Paul, put Roman Reigns on the announce table, grabbed one of his boys' phones, was on that joint live, talking to the fans and said, (laughs) Roman, this is what you wanted. This is what you wanted. You going viral, boy, and jumped off. And hit a frog splash while going live and never dropped the camera. Come on, man. I I mean, that's creative. That's innovative. That's different. I've never seen it. I've never seen anyone go live while hitting a frog splash. I mean, 
I, I I was blown away by this match, and I'm sure I've missed a couple big spots that they hit, but I I can't say enough good things about it. Uh, Jake Paul ends up coming out after the Usos come out, uh, and they they end up beating up the Entourage. I, they just start whooping on them, so there's that. Uh, then now this I was not a fan of Jake Paul coming out, and all of a sudden this dude's Mike Tyson. Like, no, he's not. Okay, no, he's not. They, 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 they're not Tyron Woodley. They ain't. They're not ducking their chin in to catch a to catch a blow so they can get paid five hundred thousand to take a knee. You know that ain't the Uso. I, so I wasn't a fan of that whole thing. I appreciate them treating Solo like a big deal. I wish he would have just laid out Jake, but you know that that's there. And then Logan comes in. Roman hits the spear once, or hits the Superman punch. Then the spear one, two, three. We go home. Hey. Uh, and they also they played into the one lucky punch. Logan does hit the one lucky punch, then hits a Superman punch. And again, this is why I'm wondering when did he tear up his knee? Because he's hitting dives out. He he hit a no hands tope over the ropes on to everyone at the end of the match, and he had to have tore up his knee before that. I mean, he he is a hell of an athlete. A hell of an athlete. The frog splash he hit from across the ring, beautiful frog splash. It reminded me of like D, a mix of like Delos and AJ Styles, the way they would spread their legs real wide, put their hands between like that. I, I loved it, man. Great match. Great match. Can't say enough. I was blown away by it. I think that JD mentioned to us in the Slack chat, it could have been the buckshot lariat spot that it could have ended right there with mm. his knee. I don't know because he didn't miss a beat. He did blockbusters off the yep. top rope. He did cross bodies off the barricade. He did gut wrench suplexes with ease, the dive on the outside to the table with the cell phone. He did a live and said, I got Crazy. you, Roman. And the fact he did that was insane. And Austin Theory, retire from the game. <laughs> hey, the I didn't even think about that. He quit. killed that man's gimmick. He absolutely murdered Austin Theory's gimmick. He killed it dead. Theory should never pick up a phone again in his life because nothing <laughs> will top what Logan Paul did to that man. The disrespect to film himself, frog splashing Roman Reigns live, and the footage comes out clean as a whistle. Nothing will top that. Then I was blown away with the buckshot lariat. I was like, no, he didn't. He went in the Hangman page bag and it was clean like Hangman and way better than CM Punk. The extra fuck you from Chicago with your muffins. Like, <sighs> this guy is so good and I hate him for it. And what I hate about this is the fact that he's so good with just having command and presence. This is this isn't a spot for spot match. It's a flow. There's a love of psychology to it. He knows when to get the crowd on his side. He just has this extra something that very few possess as actual professional wrestlers that you're in the groove and you just go with the flow. And that's Logan Paul. Three matches in and he's this great. And as you said, that was Logan all Logan against the Miz at SummerSlam. Miz did his thing. But Logan Paul proved against Roman Reigns, the very best in WWE, that I can hang 
with the tribal chief. I can deliver a four and a half star match with zero chill with a bad knee. And you can't remember when he fucked up his knee because he's that great. And he's only going to get better when he heals up. And I have a dream match already locked in right now. Give me Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins. Book it for SummerSlam next summer. I want to see that because I know those two and what they can do athletically is going to be insane. Yeah, I, uh, he just—it's just it, the whole—the whole thing is just—it's—it's it's baffling to think about because when Logan Paul first signed up, when you know you had the whole thing that Logan Paul was going to wrestle, I was like, "Yo, what are we doing? You know, what what are we doing?" He has a good match at, at WrestleMania, and then you hear he's going to have a singles match with The Miz at SummerSlam, and it's like, "What are we doing? What are we doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and they blow us all away. And then they say, Logan Paul is going to wrestle Roman Reigns for the title. And everyone's like, including myself, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> and they come out here and tear the roof off. Like, this was a this was a worthy, quality main event on any show. On any show that WWE puts out all year. This could main event and close out anything. I, it's just it's a test. I mean, and let's let's not let's not also forget Roman Reigns deserves some praise too. Like Roman Reigns absolutely commanded and led this match. Let's not let's not you know make any have any questions about that. He definitely led and commanded this match. But you know Logan still did his thing, and I I'm just blown away at how good he is three matches in just. And I know he gets a lot of extra, like he he can get that specialized one-on-one training all day, every day, but it doesn't matter. Like there's other people who can get that training that just don't catch on like him. Like we, Keely, you and I talk all the time when we talk about NXT people, you know, reps and having reps and, and seeing the improvement. And we've talked about on this show how we've seen improvement at Omos, but you know, it, that's been over the course of a year, over the course, you know, a year and a half. Um, how we've seen improvements to some of the NXT talents. We, I've, I mean, we've seen drastic improvements from Logan Paul from match one to match three. His selling was a lot better in this match than it was in the Miz match. You know, just the way he mm-hmm. sold certain things and and kind of let the moments build to certain things. I really, really impressive match. I hope he's not out for a long time. I hope it's not a full tear and he's able to come back by WrestleMania because. Whether we like him or not, that's a big name to have when you're WrestleMania card. And you talk about him versus Seth Rollins. I'll be honest with you, man. I wouldn't be opposed to Logan Paul versus Rollins for the U.S. title. Let Rollins hold that belt to WrestleMania and let, let Logan Paul wrestle for I mean, like, because everybody's going to be like, no, no, don't do it. And then he's going to do something like this and blow everyone away. So, hey, if let him have whatever he wants. I mean, he's he's shown that he can handle the biggest pressure you can possibly put on him. I, I I'm with you. Him versus Rollins would be a banger of a match, and I'd be here for it. That would clear five stars, dare hmm. I say? That's bold. If, if given the time, I'm bold, bold. But Seth Rollins is fucking incredible. If you give him if you give him the canvas to paint, he's not gonna miss with the Logan Paul as an opponent. 
if Roman got four and a half, Seth's getting five. No, you're right. I believe Seth, that. Seth got four that, stars out of Dominic Mysterio. You're absolutely right about that. <laughs> so he could pull five out of Logan Paul. It Listen, <laughs> he's a miracle worker. He gave Cody five stars with a fucked up peck. He'll give Logan five too. And hopefully he'll be healthy by then. But I'm just blown away with Logan Paul as well. I don't want to like him. He'll get honorary cheddar biscuits from me. I'm not going to lie. He might, he'll, he'll, he'll get a complimentary basket because that's how good he is. And Roman Reigns is just that guy. He was there for every spot, but Logan Paul was his equal. And let's not forget, this was the main event of a pay-per-view, of a PLE. Logan Paul, three matches in, main evented a WWE show, and he felt right at home. And the fact that he's three matches in and you go from progression to progression from WrestleMania and it was good. It was spotty, but good. SummerSlam was even better. This was extraordinarily great. And when he's healed up, he's only going to get better. And I got a list of people you can fight. Seth Rollins, Braun Breaker, give me Mello and Logan Paul at some point too. I'll take all of those options. Give me some Gunther, if you want to be brave at some point, because I think Logan Paul. Can handle it. I don't know if he, hey, Keela, Keela, Keela. I don't, I don't know if his, he, his soul needs to be chopped. Yeah, dude, you, I don't know if he knows what it's like to have his soul escape his body and be able to see his lifeless body on the ground while his soul <laughs> swims back to that body. I don't, I don't know if he's quite ready for that one yet. Let's not send that man to Gunther. Okay, let's let's not even send him to Sheamus yet. You trying to send that man to Gunther? Okay, let's let's send him to Glory. I mean, like, (laughs) yeah, I don't know about that one. I'm with I'm with you on the Rollins one. I don't know if I can I don't know if I can condemn him to Gunther. (laughs) I would just to see his soul leave his body and try to fight back. Now, Jake. Come we can on. condemn Jake. I'm I'm on the Lo- oh, I'm yes. on the Logan Paul bandwagon now. I I don't even want. I, but Jake, we can we can condemn him. <laughs> Let Gunther take his soul. Now let's. Now I have um, some female mutuals on my Twitter thing, and they was lusting after Jake. I'm like, how? <laughs> his little muscle ball self. His little blonde muscle ball his looking muscle- self. I said, when Logan's right there, <laughs> I have no shame in saying that. He is a superior Paul brother. See, that's why they work for women. One one of them is going to do it for you. Like, that's why they work. One yes. of the two, even if the other one does it, one of them's going to do it for you. Did you hear the girls screaming yeah. for Logan Paul during this match? They were screaming. Yeah. I, they were you screaming. Know, they were speaking loud. of the crowd, I, one thing I do want to say about Logan He's been able to turn every single crowd when he wrestles. When he's wrestling, he's been able to turn every crowd to start chanting for him and getting behind him. And I, I mean, again, that's just really impressive for someone who is generally and universally mo- mostly hated, except by probably women. <laughs> that is a valid point. And I, that was my advice to him that you can't talk your way into being liked 
you're going to have to work for it. And if you put in the work and you can see the effort, it's clearly there. Every match he's been in in WWE so far, you can see the respect he has for this. And he just brings his all to all that he does. And that's how you're going to respect. They'll go back to hating you when you open your mouth again, but they will always remember like, damn, Logan going to give you a good match, mm-hmm. if not a great one, regardless of the circumstances. So he's going to get respect from his in-wing work. He'll never get it via his promos because he's an asshole. But as a wrestler, you got my respect always. And with that, I will also give this match four and a half salty tears. Dave will agree with us. I got a feeling it's going to be four and a half stars in the Observer when it drops later this week. But on the whole, Scott, as you have noted that this show reminded you a lot of Monday Night Raw, what is your final tier score for Crown Jewel by way of Monday Night Raw? Man, I, I'm going to be honest. I I came away. The main event was really, really good, but that was it. It was a one match show, so I'm going to give it a 5.5. I'm going to be a bit more generous. I am going to give this show a solid seven tiers out of 10. Wow. I liked it. I liked the show. I liked the women's tag team championship match. I liked Bianca Belair versus Bailey. I adored the main event. The OC versus Judgment Day was a lot of fun. The steel cage match sucked (laughs) ass in terms of booking. It did. And the Usos and the Brawling Brutes was fun. So I would give this show a solid 7 out of 10. The production value was excellent. They cut back on the video packages. The drone shots were great. The crowd was mostly hot. And I wasn't offended. And that's a key point. Because this is my second full Saudi show I've watched. I have to do it because it's our job. But they've gotten better. And they still have a ways to go because I still want full autonomy for the women in terms of how they dress in their matches. I don't want to see them dressed like a bunch of NASCAR drivers like they were today, but progress, baby steps. And I can appreciate that. The show still is icky, but in terms of presentation and most of the matches serving, I will give this show seven out of 10 tiers. You know, real quick, speaking about the women's wardrobe, I, like some of the outfits I didn't think were that bad, like Bianca's, Bailey's, even Rhea's, I thought kind of fit her character a little bit. I, didn't, I thought they were, I didn't think they were that bad this year, but I, obviously I'm, I'm a male. So my perspective is a little different. Oh, they were good. Now we go back to Elimination Chamber. Everybody was wearing right, cat suits. Right, right, right. So they went from cat suits to NASCAR suits this time around, <laughs> which is good. True that. You know, it gave us variety. Right, right. But I would still like to see them in the regular gear. Let's just progress from that step by yeah, step. Yeah, Alexa Bliss you know, definitely did look like she uh, came right out of the cockpit, <laughs> right, right out of the, the, the pit crew. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. Not the cockpit. I, I'm thinking of the Millennium Falcon, like she just she... flew from with Ray and Chewbacca or something. Oh, my God, our Top Gun 1 or the Mandalorian. You pick one. You pick which one she hopped out of. What am I doing? The cockpit. What are you doing, sir? Well, you were close. She was she was in pit row, and um, it was a Daytona 500. And Oscar joined her. Then it was Bianca. Then it was EO Sky and Dakota Kai and Bailey. They all were a part of the Indy 500. So they did both. <laughs> so that was the, that was the aesthetic from yesterday's show. Outside of Rhea Ripley, who like a bad and, Bailey, and Bailey's like, I can make anything work. I just make it myself. Y'all know when we make y'all's. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. <laughs> and she did. She found a way. And I appreciate that. So that was the fashion report for Crown Jewel as well. <laughs> so we have to talk about it. We have stepped up from those goddamn baggy t-shirts from three years ago. That offended me. So we're stepping up. We just need them in their regular gear moving forward. And a side note before we go, during the signature opener of WWE, it was an old opener, but... um. We saw Bianca, we, we didn't see Bianca Belair. We saw, we did see her in the intro, but we saw two key figures. And I don't know what this means, but back in the intro, the OG intro, before they redid it, it was Sasha Banks and Naomi. Is that a sign they're coming back really soon? Well, Sasha did just put like a story or an Instagram that says the, the end is coming soon and she's going to have some really big news that she's excited to share. So there's a lot of speculation. A lot of people think she's going to stardom to face Kyrie Sane. But uh, who knows what's going to happen. That is interesting that they showed back up in the video. That was intentional, I do believe. That gave people a reason to talk about something on the timeline today. And that could be a possibility that a WWE is open for business. It could be an idea. That could be an out. That could be an in in terms of her contracts as well. So we'll see. And let's circle November 26th, Boston, Massachusetts. That's where she's from. So just in case they do do something, that would be the date. The last pay per view of the year for WWE. Oh, is Survivor Series in Boston? It oh, is. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Some there's going to be a mystery partner for if that that War it, Games match. If you're going to do something, that's where you yeah, do it's it. It's great call, Keila. Great call. I don't know if they're going to do it. <laughs> it's the last chance to do it because after that, it's really the Warrior Fumble. And I would foresee a big surprise for the last pay-per-view of the year. But we'll see. She said November. That's her word. She, she broke the news on Instagram live. So That's we'll a great call, Keela. And with that, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, don't hold me to it. But that's the last available date that I can see something happening between now and the end of the year. And with that. This is a wrap on the review of Crown Jewel 2022 from WWE, a really good show. And on a side note, recommendation for the week, check out SmackDown, Gunther versus Rey Mysterio mm-hmm. for the IC title. That was a really good match on Friday. Their chemistry was ridiculous. And Rey Mysterio blocking Gunther attempt to slam him and countering to a crucifix bomb and during her Kravonis at the top ropes. Come on, Rey. 48 years old almost, and delivering against Gunther. What a match. The dude said, I I may not be a good father, but I am a hell of a wrestler. (laughs) He will not beat the terrible father allegations. He is still the worst father (laughs) of 2022, but great match on Friday. I'm just saying, like, the allegations are what they are, and he's still a shit father, and it is what it is. But great match on SmackDown. And with that, that's a wrap for all things WWE and Crown Jewel. I want to thank Salty and Perky Scott Young for joining me as we chop at all things WWE. It's a pleasure as always, Keela, to talk about WWE. And I am absolutely overjoyed that you get to suffer with me and that you, your saving grace, your, your, your shining light is the Atlanta Hawks. That does bring me joy. As I sit in the gutter, waiting on LeBron James to decide to wake up. It's an honor to be rolling in the gutter with you temporarily. (laughs) May we rise from the gutter soon. May we rise above 500 for our teams. I just want to get to 500. You talking about rising above. I'm trying to get two. Me too. We're three and seven. We suck. (laughs) You too. But we do too.
I mean, it's equal suckage here. So we're going through it. We'll be fine. Hopefully next week they win some games and we can be a little bit happier about our situation. But until then, we'll be back next week covering all things WWE as we're on the march to war games at Survivor Series in Boston, Massachusetts on Saturday, November 26th, right after Thanksgiving. So that's a rarity. A post-Thanksgiving Survivor Series. Looking forward to it. So until then, for myself and for Saul. 